Man School, life from the men who have lived it, with your host, Caleb Bacon. Man School, Man School, Man School, Man School, Man School, with your host, Caleb Bacon. Welcome to Man School. I'm your host, Caleb Bacon. Man School is a show dedicated to men's personal experiences, especially those that gave them some new life skills. So if you're like me and you want to be a better man, but you hate boring how-tos, forced advice, and so-called experts, Man School might be a good start. Today's class is with a life expert who has brain cancer. Brian Bishop, who's now 34, was diagnosed with brain cancer at age 30. And here's a little bit of the interview that's coming up later in the show. No matter how bad it got for me, I was always like, well, there's got to be someone out there who's got it worse or who has had it worse or is going through something worse than me. And when I heard the guy who was crying out for his family, I was like, well, that guy's probably got it worse right about now. I know where I am and my family will be here tomorrow. And man, I hope that guy's all right. But, you know, at least it sort of gives me like, all right, well, listen, I'm not the fucking worst guy in the ward, you know. Uh, but before we get to that, because this is the first episode, we want to talk a little about what's going on here and what is Man School. Yeah, so I'm Caleb Bacon. I'm a 32-year-old writer. I live in Los Angeles. And so technically, I'm the dean of Man School, but I'm very much a student, and that's kind of why I'm here in the first place. I'm a guy who is raised by the world's most amazing dad. And when I say that, like, I, I can actually point to his resume. He was prom king twice. Like, who's prom king even once? Um, I certainly have never been voted prom king, and it's probably not going to happen. But it, in addition to that, he was a guy who pretty much raised himself up from nothing, put himself through law school, and went on to the fantastic life that he has today. And so all I had to do, and I knew this from being a kid, was just pay attention to him, do what he did, and just listen to him. Uh, I did not quite do that. I made plenty of mistakes. By my mid-20s, like all I wanted was a great life, but I was just stuck. For the first time, I was out of great ideas, so I did something new and seemingly really lame at the time, but I'm glad I did. I just got humble and I asked for some help. I tried lots of different things, but what had the biggest effect on me was just talking to other men about their life experiences, you know, what they had been through, especially from guys who were just open to talking and uh, didn't want to lecture me. And honestly, what started happening was I started becoming the guy that I'd always wanted to be. I found some peace in my life. I started to have really good relationships. I mean, with my with my family, my, my guy friends, and my romantic ones. I also quit drinking, which was huge for me. And I also started just making lots of great professional gains, and like things were really starting to happen. And so today, like honestly, I've never been happier, but I still want to make so much progress, and trust me, I got, I got plenty to go. So I'm recruiting a variety of life experts for man school, because I found that when you're open to growth, you don't have to do anything other than listen, because that's when things like finally start to seep in. Sometimes you can get information from talking to people. Sometimes you can get inspiration from talking to people. And sometimes it's just a good time. And that's my goal with Man School, because the approach that I'm taking with this show is honestly one that's transformed my whole life. Man School should not be a final destination. Just consider it like an early hangout on your journey. Let's hear a little bit about being a man from comedian Mike Kaplan. If you are a man biologically, it doesn't mean you have to be a man. You know, you don't have to be a soldier or a jock or, you know, a guy who loves cars or a guy who loves, you know, whatever, electronics. You don't have to like, you You should like what you like. I want people, if people love those things, if you love cars because you love cars, then wonderful. Like Jay Leno seems to love cars. Love cars. I don't care that much about cars other than for them to drive me where I want to go. I don't think about masculinity every day or that much at all. Uh, so I do think I'm doing what I can and want to 
to be myself, which is the definition that masculinity falls under for me. Uh, Man School is not anti-woman at all. This is a show that's just made for men in the same way like a, a mommy blog is made for mommies. Today's guest is an amazing guy with a truly great story. If you don't know, Brian Bishop, a.k.a. Bald Brian, he's worked with Adam Carolla for a long time. He's always been the sound effects maestro and a bit of a sidekick. We talk about life with a brainstem glioma, how things got so bad that Brian had to be in a wheelchair, and now doing well how he gives back. Stay tuned at the end of the show for class takeaways where I break down some of the things that help Brian along the way. And you can look for a new weekly episode of Man School every Wednesday on iTunes, manschoolshow.com, or sideshownetwork.tv. Because I'm happy to announce that Man School is part of the Sideshow Network of podcasts, along with some other great shows from some people who are frankly heroes of mine, like Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Chong. So who knows? Maybe they'll be on Man School one day. Also, be sure to check out manschoolshow.com for this episode's show notes with links and plenty more information. This is Brain Cancer at 30. Man School is in session. So, Brian, you have brain cancer. Oh, shit, I do? <laughs> I gotta call my parents. Am I just breaking this news to you? <laughs> this is horrible news. My wife's gonna be devastated. Yes, I have brain yeah, cancer. She, she may have given it to you. Oh, it's communicable? Is that how this brain cancer works? This changes everything I know. No, yeah, she, she knows, uh, as do I. I do have brain cancer. And your parents know, too. Yes. When you were growing up, if you were ever told you were going to get brain cancer, mm-hmm. and the sheer amount of people that were going to know about it, you probably wouldn't have believed them. Oh, that's right. interesting. Wow. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess not. Because you're a public figure. Well, I have a big family. <laughs> <laughs> I have like uh, 10 uncles and aunts. And the thousands upon thousands of people yeah. who have heard you talk on the Adam Carolla show. Sure. It's and, millions at this point. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally millions of people know about your brain cancer. Sure. Sure. So we've known each other for a few years. Yeah. And, and I certainly know your story, but let's let's talk about Little. Now, when you're 30, so you're working on the Adam Carolla radio show? When I was 30, yes. What happened was, it was February of that year, uh, the station we were on flipped formats. And in the radio world, that means everything goes away. So I was unemployed at the end of February. And you were in good shape. It was a great shape. Just a, like a fucking great shape. <laughs> but you're a healthy guy. Yes. Someone said, who's going to get a a disease. You no, I, I, I led a very healthy lifestyle on top of just sort of taking care of myself and eating well. Uh, I, I actually, I did go to the gym every, almost every day after work and I uh, never smoked, uh, drank ir- irregularly. My <laughs> 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 drinking was irregular. <laughs> <laughs> drank upside down, sideways. No, drank, uh, you know, gravity f- boots. Frequently. That's right. Uh, but no, never smoked, never did any drugs. I lived a fair, I would say it was in the top half of healthy people in the world. You start having all these symptoms, yeah. and then you... I know you have a series of doctor visits to try and figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. Initially, uh, I was misdiagnosed with MS, because symptoms are pretty similar. The and symptoms it, being, you know, I, you know, I would go to the gym, and I would lose my balance, or I would have a numbness in my lips, or you know, a certain side of my face. And then, so you finally get diagnosed with mm-hmm. brain cancer, mm-hmm. and then, how does your life instantly change? Oh, boy. Well, um... Geez, I guess the most immediate change was, you know, I, I getting into uh, getting into treatment. Well, immediate change was, you know, I, I this is the advice that I give to anyone who who asks for advice on they've just been diagnosed or someone they love has just been diagnosed. I say, get a second opinion. Not that they're going to say you don't have cancer, but they're going to have another idea of how to treat it, or they're going to have another regimen, another idea of what to do, or you're just going to have other options. You know, you that's why they call it practicing the art of medicine. I mean, <laughs> you know, we we joke about it, but no one knows everything and no one has the way to do it, you know, and a lot of people agree on the way to do it, but then some people disagree. And I would say, you know, leave your options open or, or get more options to choose from. And so the first immediate change in my life was 
let's fucking start go cancer doctor shopping. You know what I mean? Let's 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 find the best one and make that our sort of uh, plan of operation. And we did. And a few few days later, I was uh, starting treatment. I was getting radiation and chemotherapy. Did you turn down many doctors? Not really. What happened was we got diagnosed. I say we. I uh, got diagnosed. Um, You're a married guy. That's right. The doctor just wasn't a great doctor. His, his bedside manner was really poor. I didn't really, you know, the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, mm-hmm. you sort of, you know, you really kind of know a lot about a person after that first second, you know, you meet them or encounter them. And after that first meeting with the doctor, I just had this vibe. I was like, eh, this is not the guy I want treating me life and death situation. And uh, found a much better doctor, someone I was really confident in and comfortable with and said, let's fucking do this thing, man. Let's, let's start treatment. You're certainly fortunate enough to be in a a city like Los Angeles where you have that many doctors to choose from. You're right. Not only that, but you know, I will preface this by saying a friend of mine just told me a really interesting study and I'll never forget this. People who were given a piece of art to hang over their bed, you know, they gave a piece of art to like 10 people. Five people said, they said, you have to keep this piece of art over there for a year. The other five, they said, you can change this after two months for another piece of art and on and on every two months. The people who they gave it to and had to keep it for a year were like, this is great. I love this piece of art. I love it. I'm so happy with it. The people that had the option to get rid of it were like, nah, it's all right. I'd like to see what's next. So I think that people, human beings have that in their minds where they're like, if they're stuck with something, they convince themselves to love it or to like it. Whereas if they have the option to change or upgrade or just have something different, they're like, let's, let's, they see the flaws for what they are. So I don't want this to come off as like, this is my doctor. I love him, uh, you know, unequivocally, but my doctor who I ended up with, uh, I really do believe the team of doctors is uh, the best in in California and, and one of the best in in the country. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, to answer your question. Well, the results are were good. Yeah. Now, so what type of uh, brain cancer do you have? It's called a brainstem glioma. It's in the glial cells in 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 the brainstem, and because of its location, uh, it cannot be operated on because there's just too much, as they as they say, high priced real estate. You know, it, it, they can't cut around there because uh, one you know one false move and you can't walk. So is it because of that location that you were having those symptoms with like your, the numbness in your lips? Yeah, because if the tumor grows, you know, uh, marginally, you know, then you, you feel it. You, you, you're having trouble, you know, uh, moving your ankle. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And so you go through chemo, you go through radiation, mm-hmm. and, and then you do all this stuff. And how long does that take? Uh, radiation was five weeks. Chemo was concurrent with that. Then they gave me a break for a month and they put me back on chemo. And this is the oral chemo that everyone talks about, make, you know, that you get sick from and stuff. And luckily I never got sick, but I had to take a lot of anti-nausea medication, um, Zofran in particular. And, uh, you know, just, it makes you feel crappy. It's just a crappy, bleh, like it's all the, all the cliches are cliches for a reason because you feel like, you know, like shit. Was it at that point, I know you were in a walker, was it then? I was on a walker for a long time, I mean, like months. Uh, and it got so bad that I was actually admitted to the hospital uh, to the um, physical therapy, like inpatient physical therapy, where basically what it is is you see like on the news when someone has like a traumatic brain injury or a crash or something and some nurse is walking them down the hall and they're learning how to walk again. Mm-hmm. So most people, 99% of people go into this inpatient therapy when they've just come out of uh, brain surgery or they just had some sort of automobile accident or they just had a stroke. There were a lot of stroke victims on the, on the ward with me. I was the one guy who went in because I was getting worse, you yeah. know, so they actually were like yeah. trying to give you therapy saying, you know, we need to get you walking and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, 
that was at that point that they decided to put me on a, a newer drug that had just come out, maybe less than a year earlier. Luckily, I took to it. And, you know, people respond to certain medications and some people don't respond to certain medications. And I was lucky enough to respond to this medication and uh, it changed my life, you know, for, for the better. So it gave you some strength like it, physically. It, the immediate effect was I felt I was sleeping 18 hours a day. Wow, you like know? a cat. Yeah. And it was awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, the immediate effect was that I had a lot more energy, you know, and, and the improvement, the physical improvement, the walking, the, the hand, the everything, my whole left side, the improvement was so incremental. You didn't notice it. You know, it was like it was day to day. You'd get a quarter of a percent better. But over the long haul, I would look back over a month or two months or six months or whatever. I'm like, well, I've come a long way. You know, there was a point, um, you know, we'll have to describe this to the listeners, but you know, you looking at me, a part of my therapy, my self prescribed therapy, when I had to take my pills, I took a regimen of pills every day and I would try to take them with my left hand. And my left hand was so almost, I couldn't type them. I was typing all my emails with my right hand. You know, I wasn't using my left hand at all. And I would try to get myself to take my pills with my left hand. I would put them on my chest and my belly and like try and pick them up and get them into my mouth. And this process, honest to God, would take, and I'm not exaggerating, this took over 20, this took over 30 minutes at, at certain times just because wow. just try to get it, try to, try to get it, and I would get it up and I'd lose it or I would knock it down or I would, you know, try to pinch and it would just get away from me and, it was extremely frustrating, and it seemed like there was no end in sight, and there was no light at the end of the tunnel, but it was Adam, uh, my boss, Corolla, gives great, that's his nickname, my boss, Adam, <laughs> my boss, Corolla, um, gives, has a great piece of advice when it comes to anything that seems daunting or insurmountable. Chip away at it. Chip, chip, chip away, and before long, it's not going to seem so insurmountable. It might seem like it at the time. It might seem like it in the middle, but at a certain point, you're going to get somewhere. And, uh, it's not exactly a one-to-one thing here with my situation, but you know, my, my health, my physical health improves incrementally, you know, day to day. And it got to a certain point where you look back six months and you're like, yeah, I've come a long way. I can do things I certainly couldn't do before. Or you do something mm-hmm. like type an email or you, you open, you know, you open the car door with your left hand or something. Like, yeah, I couldn't do that, you know, six months ago. So, Hey, we're getting somewhere. Welcome to Man School. No boring how-tos and no so-called experts. On Twitter, use hashtag ManSchool to talk about the show. Subscribe for free on iTunes. Search ManSchool. So what was the worst of it? When were things just their darkest? Uh, physically or, or overall? Overall. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was admitted to um, the inpatient therapy ward, the unit uh, at Cedars Sinai Hospital, um, uh, the day after my birthday on September fourteenth. The day before, it was a Monday, twelfth. I'm almost positive I have this right, which is amazing because I was radiated at the time. <laughs> the twelfth, the Saturday, but the, the two days before, I was going into the radiation. Let's just say a day before radiation, uh, USC was playing Ohio State. It was a big game because sure. they think they're both ranked in the top ten. And a bunch of my friends had gone to Ohio State. And it's one of the great result not gone to had traveled to Ohio State to see the game. It's one of the great regrets of my life that I couldn't go with them because one of my buddies is is very wealthy and he has a private jet. And they all went to the private jet, and it was on my birthday, uh. and I, I wanted to go see my favorite team play Ohio <laughs> State in one of the most he- legendary, hallowed athletic venues, the Horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio. I wanted to go see it and I had to miss it. 
and my wife uh, had a, a birthday party for me um, at her parents' house here in LA uh, for the people who were still in LA and my friends and stuff. A couple of my friends drove down from high school. It was very sweet, and I didn't realize it at the time. It was sort of made to realize it afterwards. It was kind of a, a little bit of a last hurrah kind of thing. Like my wife was like, I didn't think you were going to have another birthday, so we got you like a big cake, and we had some friends from high school come in, and you know, people you know came and had a good time and blah, 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 and give you a fine send-off and everything. And I was like, uh, you know, it's ironic that it was a celebration, a birthday party, but, uh, it was, um, it was, a it was a, uh, it was a dark mood, you know, knowing that I was going to the hospital, uh, to where, you know, people go when they're really sick. You know, I was at that point when I was in the hospital, I was actually in a wheelchair because I couldn't walk down the long hallways. I couldn't get to therapy. You know, I couldn't get from my hospital room to the therapy room. They had to wheel me down there while maybe my attitude wasn't the darkest, it was certainly the bleakest in terms of the outlook didn't look great. When you were in that that part of the hospital, were there a lot of other young people? There were a lot of hot nurses. Yeah? There were. And in <laughs> fact, because I had friends, I didn't notice this because, again, I was radiated, but I had friends who came to visit me and they were like, they, they'd come up, hey man, how you doing? Good to see you. And Christy's like, oh, thanks for coming to visit because she was always there. She's a fantastic wife. And, and my friends would lean to me like, a lot of hot nurses on this floor. <laughs> I'd be like, that's great. Stick around. Maybe you can get a phone number. So that was uh, that was a silver lining. But the patients, how are they? They were mostly, you know, senior citizens who had, had strokes or, or something, brain injuries of some kind. Did you feel extra uncomfortable because because of that difference? You know, I really didn't. Just I, a lot of them didn't know what was going on either. They were kind of like had traumatic brain situations. I remember mm. one night, ugh, pretty pretty vividly. I remember there was a guy who was either in the next room or across the hall, but I could hear him like moaning and wailing loudly because he was confused. He didn't know where he was. He was like, "Where's my family? What are you people doing with me?" And it was, ugh, it was terrible. I just hate to hear someone like that. And that's a, that's something that got me through a lot of the tough times. And maybe, you know, it's good advice for people who are going through something like that. And maybe it sounds callous, but it's just sort of where my brain went, which is no matter how bad it got for me, I was always like, well, there's got to be someone out there who's got it worse or who has had it worse or is going through something worse than me. And when I heard the guy who was crying out for his family, I was like, well, that guy's probably got it worse right about now. I know where I am and my family will be here tomorrow and I'll probably go home at the end of this. So man, I hope that guy's all right. But, you know, at least it sort of gives me like, all right, well, listen, I'm not the fucking worst guy in the ward, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. You've always had like a really sunny, optimistic disposition. Sure. So aside from that, what would you say got you through that, especially like that real hard stretch where hmm. you know, you're in a wheelchair? Jeez, I mean, aside from that, me, uh, the you know, the obvious answer being my, my wife and my family, uh, you know, Christy, when, when you're... When you're the caregiver, i.e. the wife or the girlfriend or the whoever, you know what I mean, the husband, the wife, you have, you have cancer as much as that person does. Maybe even more because that person being me, the patient, has the luxury of being radiated and not really know what's going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas you are, this is my fucking reality. I am very aware of what's happening. I have to help this person in and out of the car. I have to you know make sure they don't fall. If they do, it's kind of my fault or you think it's your fault. The fact that Christy held it together so well is is something that probably helped get me through it and and she you know she wasn't working in this whole time you know we none of us were neither of us were working and she took me to every appointment every appointment whether it was a doctor's appointment or a physical therapy session because when the physical therapist is walking you up and down the hall on a walker they're like christy are you watching because you're gonna have to do this when you're out in the world or when you're at home or when brian has to go to the bathroom there were times 
plenty of times where Christy wanted to go out, you know, for the night with a friend or whatever, just cut loose or go to dinner or something, just something simple like that, go see a movie. And uh, I had to be left at home. And it was like, all right, if you go to the bathroom, uh, use the walker, don't go anywhere else because I, I, I would fall and possibly hurt myself otherwise. So credit to her for getting me through, you know, the, the tough times. Now, you weren't working at the time, mm-hmm. but Adam had started podcasting. That's right. And so, so he was building back up his audience, and he threw like a big charity event for you. Yeah. Laughs for Bald Brian. That's right. Which was fantastic. It was fun. Yeah. It's so, overwhelming. So you have a live show. There's, there's what, 2,000 people there? It was a live show at the Wilshire Ebal Theater here in Los Angeles, and there was, I think, 1,100 people or so, maybe 1,200. Tickets were not cheap, so let me take this opportunity to thank everyone who came, because it I mean, wildly... It was a, yeah, it was a fundraiser. Tickets were coming. It was a fundraiser. It was expensive, and it was fucking sold out, which really blew our minds. We did not expect to sell it out. We were like, oh, we got too big of a venue, but fuck it. We'll just you know promote the hell out of it, and hopefully we get lucky. It was really overwhelming in terms of like I, I did not expect that kind of support and uh, you know change changed my life. It really did. It's a life changing event because Christy and I weren't working, couldn't work. I certainly couldn't work, and mm-hmm. she's my full time caregiver. She has to be around me twenty four hours a day. So how is she going to work? And so rather than you know file for unemployment, which we did at one point, but you know what's a psychological thing? And I had someone ask me this once, like why didn't you file for disability? Because you could have very easily qualified. And it was a thing where I was like, you know, I, I, it would have felt like giving up. It would have felt like I want to get back to work someday. It seemed absurd at the time, but I mm-hmm. want to get as close to normal as I can. And filing for disability would have been like, you know, because you can't work in that case. Then you're disabled. You know, you, you're, you're drawing checks because you cannot work. And I was always like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to figure something out. We did some freelance writing for Cedar Sinai, made a little bit of money that way, but the, the, it was a life changing event. The, the, the fundraiser, Laughter Ball Brian was. Because all awesome. these great comedians, they donated yeah. their time. That's right. uh, Bad Religion performed. Bad Re- Can you imagine that? Bad Religion performed. That's awesome. <laughs> Not to mention it was a comedy show. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's Bad Religion. That's right. And it was, and the Dan band was there from, oh, the, uh, sure. from, uh, The Hangover and, uh, yeah, the the other movie, well, the old, old school. school. That's right. Oh, they've got yeah. foul mouths. Yeah, that's right. So comedy and music. Yeah, I think they did uh, Starsky and Hutch. They may have too in costume. I love Dan. He's a great guy. Dan Finnerty is a really nice guy. And so these people all donate their time yeah. for you. And then all the fans do. And then you had the show available for download. People, mm-hmm. people could buy it if they mm-hmm. didn't go a chance to go. So how much money was raised? Jeez, at the end of the day, I mean, it was six figures. It, it was. It, it it was a lot. It's funny. It sounds like a lot, but when you think about just living and medical expenses, and basically that's we lived off that money for well over a year, but while I was recuperating and getting healthy, and so that's just you know it lasted us for whatever it was, a year and a half or whatever, and God really really changed our lives for the better. So again, thanks to anyone who was there, and it was overwhelming. I can't you think of a better word for it. We made, we got the big lump sum, and then it kept trickling in from the uh, from the podcast sales, like you were saying. Wow! Yeah, it was great. How uh, how with it were you at that point? It was getting better. I I, yeah. I had started I, I had started this new drug, uh, but that was November, and that was early September. So it was two and a half months afterwards. So I was I was coming out of the fog. I probably mm. still had a list, but I remember I still had to be Christy was holding my hand on stage because I I probably couldn't walk out there by myself. I was off the walker for the most part. Um, had to sit down a lot, got tired easily, but it was coming out of the fog for sure. So I remember a good portion of it. Follow Man School on Twitter at Man School Show. Like Man School on Facebook, facebook.com slash Man School Show. Follow Caleb Bacon on Twitter 
at Caleb Eats Bacon. When did you go back to work full time? I feel like it was February or March, so like five or six months later. 2011. No, 2010. It was 2010. I, I was I was diagnosed in March of uh, late March of 2009. Started treatment right away. I uh, was admitted to the hospital in September of 2009. I uh, had my fundraiser in in November of 2009. And then I think maybe six months later, I think Adam was doing the podcast with me and Teresa. Wow, I didn't realize how quick all yeah, that was. It was really quick. I mean, it was easy for me to say how quick that was. But. Yeah, yeah, it was. And Crazy. You, you've increasingly gotten better since. Yeah, like I said, incremental. And uh, now, you know, it's it's, it's funny because Christy uh, nags me like she should all the time. She's like, you got to go back to the gym. You got to go back to the gym and get stronger because now we're we're in a point now where we're sort of like, you know, thinking about having a kid and stuff because it's damn the torpedoes. We could sit around waiting for for a clean bill of health, which might never come, or we could just say, fuck it. We could, or, you know, you could wake up one day and 10 years have passed and you're like, shit, probably should have had a kid when we have the chance. So... I think we're gonna try and have a kid some point, and but I got a hold of my end of the bargain. I got you know, if I'm gonna carry around a diaper bag and a, and a, and a yeah. crib stroller shit, and I gotta you know get stronger. So yeah, that's the next phase of my recovery is hitting the gym and getting back to you know the strong guy that I was. So what's your last year been like in terms of doctor visits and in terms of like cancer being a part of your life? You could say, you could make the argument. It's funny, but a, a friend of mine gave me a meditation CD when I was first diagnosed because meditation became a part of my life. I needed quiet time to gather my thoughts and put myself in a good frame of mind and focus on healing and all that, you know, all that uh, hippie bullshit. <laughs> uh, but I did some meditation, and the meditation CD actually blew my mind at one point because it was like, thank you. Thank your cancer. Thank it for giving you a new perspective on life. And it was like, well, I never thought about that. So that's huh. interesting. I'm taking something away from this. And, you know, I would say if it's possible, you know, my cancer is at this point, it sounds absurd, but I'm making a case for my cancer being more of a positive in my life than a negative because it has given me a great perspective on life. It's opened a lot of doors for me. I was the chairman. I was asked to be the chairman of the first ever National Brain Tumor Society Los Angeles Walk around the Coliseum to That's raise right. a quarter of a million dollars. And wow. it, we made it raise a ton of This is me feeling like I'm giving back. You know what I mean? Like I got so much from the community in my recovery. And now that I'm in a position to to do some good for the world vis-a-vis cancer, uh, let's get it on, man. Let's do it. Let's let's raise some money. And the Coliseum is where your USC Trojans That's right. My, my beloved USC Trojans choke away football games. <laughs> I mean, they play yeah. football. Yeah. So did that feel like you were competing in an athletic event <laughs> in the yeah. hollowed grounds? No, I felt like I was losing an athletic event because uh, that was a 5K, so it was a, no, a two and a half mile walk or something, and it was a hot day, an unseasonably hot day, so I was ready to call it quits. But uh, regardless, it was fun, and I'm glad I did it. And how do you think you, you handled being chairman? I was probably more of a celebrity chairman. I was mm-hmm. like, listen, I'm not gonna fucking, I'm not gonna call any meetings. My job probably was to like run the committee. You know what I mean? The PR chair and the blah 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 chair and the food and beverage chair. It's a media appearance. I, exactly. I was like, yeah. listen. Book me for interviews. I'll talk about it on the podcast. I'll make a video for it and put it on YouTube, and we'll promote it. I'll publicize the shit out of this event. But uh, I don't. I'm not really great at running meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a busy guy. I podcast at night. I can't really do this. But I will bust my ass. I you know went on morning shows on the radio and stuff to promote it. I'll, I'll get out there and I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll do the thing. And how do you think it went? I mean, well, you said they raised two hundred. Yeah, we re exceeded our expectations. We wanted to get like a thousand people and raise like a hundred grand, and I think it was like sixteen hundred people and two hundred fifty thousand, and it was a good showing. It was a good showing because they expected a lot out of us because we're L.A. We have you know we have money out here. 
what else do you do in terms of being like a, a face for brain cancer or a bald head for brain cancer? Yeah. In just a couple of months, uh, I will be in Las Vegas speaking at the uh, the. There's an organization called Stupid Cancer. You can follow <laughs> them on Twitter at, at Stupid Cancer, and it's an organization for people in their 20s and 30s who are affected by cancer. And they've asked me to go to their annual summit in Las Vegas. That's great. Uh, they're actually based out of New York. The guy who does it is in New York, and uh, they're doing a annual summit in Las Vegas called OMG summit uh, and you can look that up too it's on their website and it's uh, they've asked me to speak at their uh, very apropos to this uh, this podcast it's uh, it's their breakout session just for guys and so okay. I'm going to be doing that I'll be talking to their just for guys segment and uh, doing a little uh, cancer talk what do you think you'll talk about they described it to me it'll be moderated oh I see so they described it to me as um, you know there's a lot of issues that are just for guys like you know a lot of uh, fertility uh, sexuality uh, you know uh, cancer affects your libido obviously and things like that and dating after cancer marriage all that stuff and how it affects your relationships so I assume that I'll be talking about that as someone who went through cancer when I was engaged at the time we got married while I was going through treatment Oh, that sounds like a fantastic event. Yeah, so Chrissy's going to come and uh, and gamble while I talk. (laughs) (laughs) I've created a monster. (laughs) (laughs) So in terms of like being able to give back, it sounds like you're doing some fun things. Yeah. But but because you're kind of accessible, whether it's, you know, Twitter Mm -hmm. or or whatever social media, do you have people reach out to you? All the time. Yeah? Sorry to interrupt, yes, but the answer is all the time. You didn't let me finish. Yeah, that's right. Who, who reach out to you and say, enough with the cancer yeah. stuff <laughs> Again, already, All Brian. the time, all the time. It's always cancer, cancer, Yeah, blah, cancer. blah, blah. But I'm, I'm sure people who are afflicted all the time. chat with you, too. Yeah, yeah. People uh, on less on Twitter and more by email, just because I am very accessible on email. And if everyone anyone ever wants to email brian at adamcorilla.com or brian at brianbishop.com, I'm, I'm out there. But anyway, I get people emailing all the time saying, hey my wife or my husband or my dad or you know whatever just got diagnosed and we don't know what to do and sometimes it's hey one time recently it was someone emailed was like hey my husband's a big fan would you mind just emailing him telling him it's all going to be okay and i was like hey man keep your chin up and keep up the good fight and you know email me and let me know how it's going other times it's like what can you help us i don't know what to do and i'm like fucking see as many doctors as you as you can as you feel comfortable seeing and i'm always down to give advice and just help people because it's it's a dark time you don't know who to turn to and not everyone can go on a podcast and talk about it you know what i mean how does it make you feel when you get to do that it feels good i I feel like i'm helping people and it's a different kind of good feeling i feel really good when i you know share the la walk for this and that and that's a great feeling because i know that i'm helping a lot of people indirectly but helping people individually directly, like, you know, with advice or just, just a helping hand or just a, a friend out there to talk to, someone who's been through that, it's a, it's a good feeling. So I feel like I'm uh, doing so good. The worst is at one time I got an email from a guy who was like, oh, my, you know, my three-year-old daughter was just diagnosed with a brain tumor and uh, it, uh, it was just devastating. It was one of the worst emails I've ever gotten. I was very emotional that day. But uh Fucking! I emailed that guy like a year later too. I was like, I, I just kept thinking about. It. I thought wow. about him today. This is like three years ago. I just you know think about him right now. But I emailed him like, Hey man, just want to check in. You always kind of tread that line where you're like, oh, Is your daughter doing okay? Is she still around? I'm like, Hey, how's your daughter doing? And luckily, she was doing good. And so yeah. it was just a, you know wow. took a chance. But I was happy to happy to hear. Is there any part of this that like sometimes you just don't feel like you're up for? Meaning what? It'll give me an example. Of your uh, like like it's too overwhelming. Like you just don't want to participate. Jeez. Um, no, I mean, it's funny you mention that because when you're, when you're radiated, uh, uh, 
things are overwhelming. Like things are very overwhelming to you. Like, like everything. Yeah. Like Anderson, my co-host on the film vault, he works with cancer kids and he described it perfectly better than I articulated it at the time, which is it feels like you're in Vegas 24 seven and not the good way with like strippers <laughs> and gambling, but like there's lights and there's bells and, and everything is very distracting and it's overwhelming and things seem insurmountable. The little things I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get dressed a lot of the time when I, when I was going through radiation, not cause I was depressed, but because I was like, fuck, I'm either going to have to ask Christy to help me put this shirt on or I'm going to have to try and do it myself. And I fucking don't want to do it, man. I just tell you, know, it's not really sounds like something I want to do, but now I'm back to more or less my old self and I'm happy to, you know, help in any little way that I can with some, listen, well, if someone emails me, what the fuck is it going to cost me? It's going to cost me 30 seconds and a few clicks, you know, to reply. Who am I to say, sorry, too busy. I'm not so fucking busy. I'm not Caleb Bacon writing on TV shows. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. So the coming year, you got mm-hmm. the, you got the cancer event mm-hmm. in Vegas mm-hmm. and you got the Adam Carolla podcast. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you're up to that you're just, uh, that you're just excited about? The big book deal that I announced on the Adam Carolla show, the, I, uh, the, I got the book sold and Congratulations process, again. thank you. I'm in the process of writing the book and it'll be due in a couple of months and, Oh, geez, it's almost due. I got to go. I got to finish my <laughs> book. No, I, I'm writing a book about the whole experience and uh, for St. Martin's Press, and it'll be out hopefully in less than a year, and maybe in a year, but in about a year or so. That's and, very exciting. Yeah, that's the big thing that's on my plate right now is trying to get this goddamn book uh, finished. Brian, thank you so much. My pleasure. Class takeaways. If you have a health problem, get a second opinion. Go doctor shopping. Focus on progress, not just the finish line. Chip away at it, which is a version of live in the moment. Stay positive and have some perspective. Uh, Somebody probably has it worse. Accepting help. It's something that's hard for plenty of men, but Brian accepted help from his friends, his wife, and the fundraiser, and it made a big deal of difference. Have gratitude. Brian appreciated and was uh, grateful for his support network, especially his wife, who is his caregiver. And Brian gives back today in different ways, and it makes him feel good now. Brian Bishop can be heard regularly on the Adam Carolla Show, which is on adamcarolla.com, as well as iTunes. Brian also has a podcast called The Film Vault, which you can find on iTunes and AndersonandBrian.com. He's on Twitter at BaldBrian. Mike Kaplan from the opening of the show. He's on Twitter at Mike Kaplan and MikeKaplan.com. If there's a topic you would like to hear covered on the show that's to do with your own personal experience, you can email me at manschoolshow at gmail.com. Thanks to Shane LaRue for the musical beds. And thanks to the many people who helped in the launch of Man School and who let me pick their brains so much over the past few months. The next episode is about something that I don't have any personal experience, which I'm actually pretty good with. It's being kidnapped. They, and they said in Serbian, because they were talking in Serbian. They still didn't know we spoke Serbian. I told my friend not to speak Serbian, just English, so we could have an edge. Uh, and they go, we have some informants here. And I was like, what the hell, informant? Thanks so much for listening. Life happens. Let's talk about it. Man school, man school, man school, man school, man school.